listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Hani Pham. Hani is a teacher and former assistant principal with eight years of experience in cultivating and fostering diverse children's passion for learning through an educational, joyful, and culturally responsive learning environment. She is a kindergarten teacher that pairs her instruction with social-emotional learning, project-based learning, and social consciousness. By normalizing these tough conversations and using a holistic approach, she believes that her students will be equipped to be little agents of change. You can follow Hani at her website at fampham.weebly.com. You can also find her on LinkedIn. Her name is spelled H-A-N-H-N-H-I, last name P-H-A-M. Honey, thank you so much for joining us today. By the looks of what you shared with us, you are so very busy. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, philosophy and education? Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, so I think that every child, regardless of their socioeconomic status, their ability, their gender, their ethnicity, or their culture, deserves to have high quality access to education. And I think education to me is giving children the opportunity to learn about the world and to explore their passions and to discover them. And I think um, to me, like when students leave the classroom on fire and excited to learn more about the world and ready to be agents of change, that's what true education is. When they're able to internalize their passion and work towards sharing these passions with others. I love that. So it's not just teaching content, but it's teaching the whole child and meeting their every need and feeding that fire to love learning. Yeah. So how did you, how did you come up with this? Um, you know, be, because there's, there's oftentimes that, that we as, as, people when, when we get into teaching we we have these grandiose thoughts in in mind as as to what how we're going to design this but you're you're actually doing it um how did this come about um i think i think like earlier in my career obviously i was going through the motions of what i thought teaching looked like but I think working in a Title I school in a community that is oftentimes underserved, um, seeing the inequalities really motivated me to like reflect on myself and also reflect on what, what impact am I able to make within the classroom so that these students can grow up to become future, not even future leaders, cur- like little le- leaders mm, that I can like change that. their community. Little leaders. Yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. So then, so then how do you foster this leadership and what, what, what grade levels are you, are you teaching? I teach kindergarten. And so, so oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Well, I was, I was going to say there's, there's going to be people that are that are listening um, that, that may think, well, how, how can we create leaders out of kinder kids? Um, so, so share with us how you're actually doing this. So a way that I do this, and I nerd out a lot over this, is I like to create little units um, 
that are relevant to what they're seeing in their community. So an example of this would be around Christmas time when students are getting really excited about presents. We, we actually talk about the community, like let's look around the community, like what are you noticing? So we talk about homelessness and then we brainstorm as a class like ways that we can address this. And so one project that we've done is like called the Spread Kindness Project mm. where my students um, collect stocking materials where we create these little care packages and then we as a class meet downtown with their parents um, to pass out these stockings to people who are um, experiencing homelessness. Wow. So that's one way. Um, I think we also just have, I, I try to create a lot of thematic units that are tied to developing their character um, and also giving them opportunities to collaborate as well. So we'll learn about like the civil rights movement and have mock protests. Um, we learn about sustainability. So we'll use, reuse materials to create new items. So a lot of that. I love that. I like that you're connecting with real world problems and to things that are of interest to your students. That's really a cool way to integrate learning into life. Yeah. So you were also an uh, assistant principal. And then how mm-hmm. did you transition from teaching, um, again, from being an assistant principal? Um, so I, I initially did not want to be an assistant principal <laughs> because I love kids and adults are not my favorite thing. <laughs> um, if I'm being honest. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, I think, I, think, I think many people feel the very same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I think I wanted to challenge myself professionally, so I decided to do that for a year. It was really fun to coach teachers, to work more closely with families, and to make bigger impact on a larger scale. Um, but the selfish side of me um, just really missed being in the class and having my own set of kids and being around them, so I decided to go back into the classroom for now. How were those transitions? Were they rough? It, it wasn't too bad because I was only assistant principal for a year. And mm. luckily, as an assistant principal, part of my role was to teach, um, coach teachers. So I was actually in the classroom every day, um, real-time coaching. Wow, so I was cool. still working with kids and around instruction. Oh, yeah, that's good. That is good. Um, one of the things that you shared in your in the the bio that you gave to us is that you wish to foster diverse children's passions for learning through educational, joyful, and culturally responsive learning environments. And you kind of touched upon that. Can you, can you talk a little bit more in in depth as, as to what this, what, what this means to you? Um, I think for me, like from a teacher standpoint, I think first, like, in order to really do that, reflecting on your own biases that you take into the classroom, because without that awareness, I don't think you're able to truly empathize and understand your students' circumstances and what they bring to the classroom. And then I think in order to really create an inclusive and joyful, academically rigorous environment, um, the environment must be created by every child that walks through your door. So your classroom should act as a window and a mirror for your students so that they're seen, they felt, they feel heard and valued. And also the 
environment should be a place where students are able to explore other perspectives that are less familiar to them. Okay, you're you're talking like you're teaching college kids, <laughs> um, you know, and 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 you're teaching kinder, um, and it's that's amazing. I mean, you know, and and I and I'm thinking now. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put any you know, anybody on the um, on the um, spot or anything. But so so you're doing all this cultivation with your kinder kids. Do they get the same thing once they go into first? I mean, that varies, right? I think what's really awesome is my principal and my coach at my school is very invested in culturally responsive teaching. So we've actually started like a book club right now and we're planning on bringing it into the summer um, where we're trying to get more teachers on board so that students are able to see that across campus. Because I think if it's only happening in one area, um, it can only go so far. So I feel really fortunate that there are a lot of like-minded um, colleagues that I have at my school. So it's really a culture and like a philosophy of the school rather than just your own personal philosophy. Yeah. that's That helps because then it makes it easy yeah. to collaborate and work together and yeah. Help those students continue to build on those. And it's great that you're instilling it at such a young age so that way yeah. it can carry them through. I love that. Yeah, and I, I think they're more than capable of doing it. I think, like, a lot of my favorite teaching moments have happened because of these units. And um, students surprise you many times. Like, an example of this would be um, we had a unit where the students studied their own identities. So we talked about their ethnic background, we talked about their family structure, their abilities, um, and then we also talked about gender. And one of my boys in the class, he would be considered quote unquote macho. Um, he was very shocked when I was doing a lot of read alouds with characters. Uh, there were like these boy characters who were, um, you know, subscribing to the binary norm. Mm-hmm. And but once we talked more into it and refle- reflected on this and we did a bunch of different activities, he really internalized it. And he, I got a text message from his mom and his mom was like, hey, Miss Bam, so this weekend I was, you know, sorting through some clothes and I was telling Trenton that, hey, this, this is pink. This is a girl's color. Why, why do we have this here? And he actually stopped me and he said, mom, you're stereotyping. Do you know what that means? Um, and do you know that you can really hurt people's feelings? Um, and it's just like those little moments where I'm like, he is five and mm-hmm. these kids are five, but they are more than capable of digesting these heavy topics. I love that. That's so That's cool. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you're, you're connecting with your, with your students in, tremendous ways um and and a lot of a lot of different ways what are how do you pair what your you know your social social emotional learning with prop like project-based learning um and and all of this how do you connect all of them you know because oftentimes we as we as educators we and how curriculum has often been unfortunately made is like, okay, we're going to focus on social emotional learning, or we're going to focus on PBL. How do you blend, blend both of them? Um, I think like when I create these units, I think of it as 
three buckets and I blend them together. So I first try to like identify a social um, justice theme that is relevant to what my students are seeing. And then I connect that to a character um, character value that I want to teach them. And then with that, then I think about like a project-based activity that students can do where they can collaborate and work together to explore um, these heavy topics. That's awesome. Um, I'm wondering where you got this passion for social, emotional, and culturally responsive teaching. Was it part of your teacher training like credentialing program, or was it something that um, has always just been of a personal passion of yours, or where where'd this come from? Um, I think, honestly, it roots back to when I was a little kid, because I think um, I my parents were immigrants, and I remember going to school as a English language learner, not knowing an, a word of English and feeling like an outcast. And I remember my kindergarten teacher really making that place a safe place. And I felt seen, I felt heard, even though she could not understand me. Um, And just thinking about that moment really inspires me to be that person for my students. So making sure that my space is this safe place where all students feel included and it's an inclusive, inviting um, environment that celebrates and values every individual. That's incredible. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've taken a look at your Weebly site, (laughs) um, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, how did you be, be, yeah, how did you be, become involved in, in tech and, and, and creating these rap videos for your, for your, (laughs) for your own kids and, 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 and people that are, that are listening, you have got to, you know, you have got to find this and you know, check it out. And then what, so that's the first question. How did you become in, in involved in tech and, and, and videos? And then what has been the response from your, from your students and their, and their families? Um, well, I think something went wrong along the way because in another life or in my future life, I think I'm supposed to be a artist in mm-hmm. some form. Um, I've, o- I've always loved performing and re- I've recorded music videos since I was very young with all my cousins. So this, this, this naturally has been a smooth transition once I became a teacher. Like I was like, now that I'm a teacher, I have my own platform and this is a great medium to use. So, and luckily my students are five, so they don't know any better. Um, but academic rap, music videos, and just like using technology to, incorporate what my students love in an academic content is really fun for me. Um, and my students love it because I usually always try to incorporate whatever it is I see that they love and care about. So for last year, for their usually every year for my students' graduation, um, I try to choose their favorite song and I'll rewrite it. So like last year, my students loved uh, Drake song in my feelings. So I remade it into K3 got me in my feelings about how sad I was about them leaving our class. Um, <laughs> and I think parents appreciate it too, because usually I'll create songs that are academic based and they'll hear them, their child singing it and internalizing it. Mm. So it's just a really fun way to, 
um, get them excited and interested in the content we're learning. How would you tell our listeners to how to get started if they wanted to start creating some videos? I think just incorporating what you love and what your students love, because if you're invested and excited about it, it'll just come naturally. Yeah. And I know that's not for everyone. Not everybody wants to be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So if it brings you anxiety, I think what's amazing is that we have the internet. So just looking for teachers who have great videos that you can use, like Mr. Reed, this teacher from Chicago, he's one of my favorites. He writes his own music. He does read aloud. So I'll pull from him too. So I think either make your own or pull from other teachers who have great um, content as well. Awesome. I love that. You know, and, and, and now I, I think it's just, just based on um, what, what you've been sharing and, and knowing a little bit about you, um, how has COVID changed um, the way you teach, um, have, have changed you, have changed your kids? I think I'm still learning. I think it's news for everyone right now. Um, but I think the equity piece and a, is, is huge, right? I'm still thinking about how do I make this more equitable for all my students because we're in a pandemic and not all students, that's not a priority for all families right now, unfortunately. And so being very aware of that and figuring out other ways to connect to those students. And then I think also because I teach kindergarten, this poses a new challenge because they're five years, they're five years old. So their tech savviness is not at the same level as a fifth grader. So I've been, you know, reflecting on ways that I can be more creative, like how can I give my students feedback when most of my students are still developing readers? So if that means I'm recording daily videos of myself checking in on them, then that's what I have to do. Or, you know, my students on Zoom meetings, a lot of times they're very distracted. So how do I make this more fun? If I have to dress up as a detective, <laughs> do a letter scavenger hunt, then I will. Oh, that's if we cool. have to have a dance party, you know, then we'll yeah. make it happen. So yeah. just being really flexible open to trying new things and being really mindful of everyone's unique circumstances. So how, how, how are your, how are your kids doing? I I think for the most part, my students are enjoying it. I do feel like they're getting a little bogged down with technology, which I never thought would happen um, because that's their only way to access material learning. They're getting a lot of screen time. So I've been trying to incorporate more project-based projects where they can go outside and, you know, go on a scavenger hunt and find things that start with certain letters or, you know, have a cooking night with your parents and write a how-to book. How do you make pizza? How do you make tacos? Um, so getting more creative where they're not just on the computer watching instructional videos mm-hmm. of me um, so that... That's They're good. constantly, you know, getting different modalities. Yeah, and that requires a lot of work and, like, support from the home and from the parents and the guardians. Is that something um, that all students are able to get, or is that something that um, is kind of a disparity as well? Yeah, that's definitely a disparity, you know. Unfortunately, there is a disparity. Some of, some of my students are definitely getting a lot more support 
while others aren't. Um, I do try to check in with all my students every single week, so I try to call the parents. Um, I'm also really fortunate my school leaders um, also do home visits. So for families who do need that extra support, they do go on home visits just to, as a check-in, just to see like, hey, is your family okay? Do you guys need anything from us during this time? Um, even if it's not academic-based. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think that should be an expectation right now. Um, it's a nice, nice thing that kids could be doing, um, but I don't think it's a fair expectation to have because everyone is in a very unique circumstance. Yeah. So have you, has your school and, and your colleagues talked about how they're going to transition into the fall semester? Not yet. They're keeping us on our toes. Um, so I'm very anxious about what next school year will look like. Yeah. A lot of people are. I think everyone's just trying to figure out what <laughs> what's happening in the world before they make a decision a couple months out. Yeah. Um, you're also going through your master's program. So what were you able yeah. to take from your master's program to implement into your teaching? No pressure, because Fred's on the phone line. And he's my right now. <laughs> I know. He wants, he wants no a pressure. shout out. Like, oh, he's my favorite teacher. <laughs> Um, I think I've been very fortunate, like all the classes and professors who I've had, the content that I've been um, exposed to and learning about is very much aligned with where I'm at um, with my development as a teacher. So I think um, it's really nice that what I'm reading and all the strategies and skills that I'm learning about are very applicable for what I need right now in the moment. Example, like the class that I just took was around technology and it happened right when COVID happened. So I was like, wow, this is perfectly aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think I just did my capstone and I was able to um, focus that on deconstructing microaggressions, which is something I'm really passionate about. So I think it's been really nice that the learning that I've been doing is very much aligned with my core values and my pedagogy and what I want to do in my journey of um, developing as an educator. Yeah, that's great. Can you tell us a little bit more about your capstone? Yeah. Um, like specifically what it Yeah, so it was, your capstone, uh, um, you dug a bunch into the research, and I would just like to hear a little bit more about what you learned and what your, what your conclusions were of that. Yeah, um, in my study, so unfortunately it was impacted by COVID, um, so I didn't get to do the full, um, my intended research uh, that I initially wanted to do. But essentially I was studying um, my students and another class, a TK class, that did not get exposure to explicit culturally responsive instruction and just seeing the difference in the students. And I think just seeing um, the difference of having explicit culturally responsive teaching, what it does to students is amazing. Um, students were able, or were way more aware of the inequalities or the unfairness of situations when they do have explicit um, instruction mm. around culturally responsiveness. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and are you now with regards to your 
Capstone, and I'm naturally I'm biased because I read it. It was great. <laughs> blah blah blah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so have you have you implemented anything uh, with your with your capstone, or where do you where do you see the um, implementation taking place? I I mean, it was implemented before all of this happened, and sadly, I haven't been able to continue to implement it because I think I'm still trying to navigate this new norm. But over the summer, I plan on thinking about, like, what would that look like in a distance learning context? Because a lot of what I was planning was actual in-person instruction where students are able to engage. Um, And I think it's a lot harder with five-year-olds being able to cover these heavy topics over Zoom sounds really challenging. So trying to brainstorm and think through that over the summer and see if it could, it could be a potential thing that I roll out next school year. Yeah. And yeah. And one of the things that you, that you could do, which you're probably doing is reaching out to other people, just as, you know, just to brain brainstorm how, how you, how you could do mm-hmm. this. Um, because I know there's at least a couple people here that wouldn't mind brainstorming that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we that we like to to finish up on is to ask our um, ask our friends what their call to action is, and so um, what is yours? Um. I think my call to action is to truly create an inclusive learning environment that supports and inspires students to be agents of change. Five-year-olds, little social justice leaders. It's a thing. Mm. I love wow. that. I, yeah. Straight and to the point. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, honey, thank you so much for your time today. And thanks so much for your passion and the joy that you bring to your students. It sounds like you're doing amazing things and your students are so lucky to have you. And even in this crazy time, you're doing, um, such great work. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your guys' time. I enjoyed this very much.